Hello everyone, it's Trevor here from We Need to Talk About Movies podcast. I am back again with the films that I own that I haven't watched yet. In case you're wondering, I have a massive DVD collection and with so many charity shops available to me, I often pop in and buy films at a rate quicker than I can actually watch them. So this is another four films that I've managed to get to watch. So we'll have a listen through each of the four films and then I'll come back at the end to tell you which was my film of the month. Thanks very much and enjoy. So, time for another film that I own that I haven't watched yet. Let's see what's in here. Oh, I'm dropping them everywhere. I've got one. To Walk with Lions. I've not seen it. It's the sequel to Born Free. It's one of these little paper DVDs that I've got with a newspaper for free takes a while because there's hundreds of them not as easy to find as when they're sat in the sh- normal shelf ah found it to walk with lions the continuing saga of born free richard harris ian bannon and john mitchy more than 30 years after the oscar-winning born free moved millions to walk with lions is set to make a similar impact Starring Richard Harris as Kenyan game warden George Adamson, To Walk With Lions is the dramatic, compelling true story of Adamson's continued battle to save the Kenyan wildlife. He takes on Tony Fitzjohn, a down-and-out drifter from London, to help him at his reserve in Cora. When poachers begin to trespass into Cora, hunting for rhino horn and ivory, George and Tony are forced into deadly fights as they try to put a stop to the illegal trading. Tony tries to persuade George to set up a new reserve in Tanzania as life at the reserve becomes more dangerous and they are threatened by renegade soldiers. Now, I have watched Born Free a very long time ago. I can't actually remember the story, so whether that will impact whether I enjoy this film or not remains to be seen. So, I'll watch it and let you know what I think of afterwards. Cheers. Okay, so To Walk With Lions, 1999. I just watched it and it felt a bit like a TV movie to watch. We start the story with following Tony Fitzgerald, played by John Mitchie. It's a slightly wooden performance to start with, but his character is a fiery sort of a, a fiery drunk drifter. And he becomes the unlikely protege of George Adamson, played by Richard Harris. I said that it started off like quite a lot a wooden actor. It's like I say, it felt like a TV movie and they felt very much like TV actors, a lot of them. But that being said, the film is really easy to watch. I really quite enjoyed it and it's an important story so I said earlier that I knew that this film was sort of a sequel or a follow-on to Born Free it's it's not a sequel as such Born Free was written by Joy Adamson I've googled this during the film who in this film 
To Walk With Lions is played by Anna Blackman and Born Free was about her relationship with one lion. Basically her and uh, George Adamson, Richard Harris's character, they have a project in Cora where they prepare captive lions ready to be released into the wild. So lions from captivity, from zoos, from circuses, etc., so it's important work, conservationist work. And Tony Fitzgerald, this is his story. This is his telling of the story. And it is it is an eye-opener. I mean, we all know we hear about sort of depleting numbers of lions and elephants, rhinos for the ivory trade and what have you. Well, this film sort of opens up your eyes. It sort of shows you just how brutal it is out there. Richard Harris was really good in this film, but he spoke with this real hushed whisper, which sometimes I couldn't hear over the music. Uh, his brother Terence, Ian Bannon, I recognise from things. And yeah, he has a real love for the elephants. He always says if it wasn't for George's lions, he'd be protecting the elephants. And um, yeah, there's a, a quite a harrowing scene midway through the film where... He sees a, a family of elephants has all been murdered for their tusks, and he's not quite right after that. He sort of it breaks his heart. A, a really great, lovable character. He sort of picks up Tony Fitzgerald and takes him back to Cora. And um, Tony Fitzgerald, as I said, we see it through his eyes, and at first he's. He doesn't want any part of it, but then he's drawn into it. And then I've Googled him just since watching it. And uh, yeah, he's actually out there now carrying on the work of George Adamson still to this day with his his wife, Lucy, who we see they develop the relationship in this film. It's torturous work for them because they are, even though George absolutely loves these animals it's heartbreaking it's a constant uphill struggle against the politics against politicians and poachers Uh, joy adamson before when she turns up in the film you feel there's a history there but you miss you've missed that background Uh, i mean honor blackman is uh you know we all know as pussy galore from the very first james bond film dr no but um the relationship between her and george you know that you know, they're no longer together, but we don't know the story of that. You get a feeling that Terence resents her. Yeah, during the film, Joy Adamson's character is, or not her character, Joy Adamson, during this film is murdered. But it's a sort of, uh, at first I was like, did I just hear that? Was that Joy that's murdered on a Blackman's character? She's a central character of Born Free. Uh, but her... Uh, her murder in this is sort of just an offhand comment but you know it's one of the stark realities she was actually murdered it's that kind of a lifestyle out there it's dangerous it's a dangerous place not just from the animals on the plains of africa but also the sort of the people there the militants and the poachers and what have you so yeah it's a it's a good film it's 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 heartbreaking really it's quite brutal in its depiction and because it's a true story as well, you know, it's, it's it makes it more painful than ever. But the only downfall is that its production values, its lower rate actors, it is still it is still a good film. 
and one worth watching. It's the sort of film that you'd end up, you know, if it's on on a Sunday afternoon, you'd, it's quite easy watching. All right then, Trev back for another selection from the pot. Let's have a look. We're in. Okay, we've chosen Arlington Road. Okay, Arlington Road. Let me just find that case. There we go, Arlington Road. Jeff Bridges and Tim Robbins from 2001. It's Jeff Bridges again. (laughs) What's that, three Jeff Bridges films in two months? There can't be many more in my collection. I must have just selected the lot. Anyway, Michael Faraday, Jeff Bridges and his 10-year-old son, Grant Spencer Clark, are both trying to come to terms with the loss two years earlier of Michael's wife, Grant's mother. When they befriend a family from across the road, things seem to get a little better for them. However, as the families become closer, Michael starts having misgivings about Oliver and Cheryl Lang, Tim Robbins and Joan Cusack, and begins investigating them. He soon realises that the Langs are definitely not who they claim to be. The film is a tense political and psychological thriller, with Michael uncovering more and more about the seemingly innocent family living opposite him on Arlington Road. So, uh, I've heard this is meant to be quite a good film. I'm going to go and put it on now, and then I'll come back after to give you my thoughts. Okay, so I've just watched Arlington Road. It wasn't 2001, it was 1999. I only Googled halfway through because I was thinking, because of the subject matter of the film, 2001 obviously was the year of the Twin Towers, and I feel this is almost nail on the head, you know, all about terrorism and conspiracies. And So I, I Googled it to see if it came out before. It was 1999. But, um, yeah, really interesting thriller. Some good acting, some really interesting cinematography from the outset, really. It starts off quite gruesome. A little boy walking up the street with a burnt hand and Jeff Bridges finds him in the street, takes him into the hospital. Turns up, it's his neighbour's son. Uh, They come to the hospital to meet him and it's Tim Robbins and Joan Cusack. Things you learn about Jeff Bridges is that his wife has passed away she worked for the FBI and he teaches uh, American terrorism in his lessons he's referring to things like the Waco style shootout I think they're all sort of theatrical uh, made up attacks in this but based on real sort of conspiracies and uh, alleged terrorist events that took place in America pre 9-11 so he starts to suspect that there's something not quite right with the, the family next door, Tim Robbins and that, and he starts his own investigation. And it's a really gritty thriller. It's really quite intense in places, like the scene where Jeff Bridges is sort of rummaging through their house when he's pretending to make a phone call. You're just on tenterhooks. Um, and Joan Cusack, she has a, a really creepy, sinister sort of presence behind a really sort of a friendly face she was excellently cast and tim robbins the same he's like really good actor they're all great performances perhaps tim robbins towards the end got a little bit pantomime but it's it's minor faults really i did just about twig about two-thirds of the way through i began to 
piece it together and I saw the ending coming. Um, I think because it's that time, you know, 1999 when it was released, was around the time that you had all these films where they lead you down one way and then you knew there was a twist coming. It didn't make the film any less enjoyable. You know, it did. I did get three quarters of the way through before I worked it out rather than, you know, sometimes you work it out so early on that it just ruins the whole film. But, you know, the build-up up to that was really good. Uh, the music was Angelo... Angelo Badalamento? Anyway, the guy who does the music for David Lynch stuff. And it was a really good, really good score, really sort of ominous and real uh, great tension. Whereas I think with David Lynch's soundtracks, you know, the music's always a bit more sort of almost comical, jazzy, electro. I don't know, it's always a bit stranger. So it was nice to hear this chap doing a sort of a more generic theme. Yeah, I was saying about the cinematography, there's a lot of really extreme close-ups and a lot of the lighting, you know, is characters are framed, surrounded in complete darkness. There's a a few shots like that where the majority of the screen is black and the characters just lit up just by light, Jeff Bridges usually. But yeah, I I thought it was a really good film. Perhaps it got a little hammy towards the end and the cinematography went from being sort of stylish to over stylized it almost became like watching a horror film with canted angles and strange sort of lighting um that perhaps distracted a little bit from the plot and the performances but all in all not a bad film quite a good one if you like a thriller if you like jeff bridges uh yeah well worth a watch Time to choose another DVD that I haven't watched yet. I'm going to grab my box. There it is. Scurry about. Okay, got one. Repo Man. Okay, that's um strange 80s film. Quite an indie sort of styled film, I think, if I remember. Uh, Emilio Estevez, directed by Alex Cox. It's on here somewhere. Uh, down in sci-fi. There we go. Repo Man, Harry Dean Stanton, Emilio Estevez, directed by Alex Cox. Video Grammy Award-winning producer Michael Nesmith presents this outrageous contemporary comedy, combining the seedy world of automobile repossession with science fiction. As ace Repo Men, Harry Dean Stanton and Emilio Estevez are out to beat the ruthless government agents, UFO cultists, hired thugs, a lobotomized nuclear scientist and the infamous Rodriguez brothers to an incredibly valuable 64 Chevy containing a secret that can change the course of civilization overnight. Written and directed by former Repo Man Alex Cox, the explosive action satire offers all the wet and whimsy associated with a Nesmith production and boasts a title tune by top rocker Iggy Pop. Okay, so I'm going to put Repo Man on now and then I will get back to you. Well, that was a crazy film. Absolute crazy. <laughs> but really enjoyable. It's a very punky film. It had a real punk, sort of anarchic feel to it from the outset. So it's all off kilter. It's all really, it's really nicely shot. It's really well set up. It's just this obscure little film. The opening scene shows 
the chap driving in the car in the Chevy singing dreamily and gets pulled over by a traffic cop who then looks in the boot and is vaporised by whatever is in the boot. So a strange start. But then as we meet uh, Emilio Estevez, he's sort of skinhead. He's uh, really young in this. The first thing that happens is he get, he's stacking shelves in a shop where everything is just labelled what it is. It's all sort of plain packaging with just beer, food, crisps. So he's stacking shelves and then his boss comes up and says, you're late, you never listen to anything. And he just basically just tells his boss to fuck off and then he, he leaves. You know, so he's got this obnoxious sort of teenage angsty punk feel to it. Even though Emilio Estevez's character is horrible, he's endearing. You know, it's just it's just crazy how you feel any affection for him. You know, he believes he's a punk rocker. He's a sort of a nihilistic sort of view on life, I suppose. And his parents are there glued to the telly watching the priest on the telly the evangelist and they've given all their savings to him it's all very on the nose sort of analogies and but it's it's just hilarious just really funny i love that it's like literally an hour and a half long just just how long a film needs to be but he becomes anyway he meets up with harry dean stanton and they repossess a car and he 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 learns that he can earn some money good money doing it and it's quite an exciting lifestyle and I mean, even Harry Dean Stanton, he's one of those actors, he's, there's something about him as well, isn't it? He's a real sort of an ordinary looking fella, but he's got this sort of punk energy to him as well. Watching it did put me in mind of Rubber, which was another movie produced by musicians. It was Mr. Wazzo, and that had a sort of a punky feel to it as well, about the killer tie. I don't know if you've ever seen that film, but it's all really satirical. It's quite an interesting view on the youth culture, more sp- and more specifically the punk culture. It's sort of taking a laughing look at how people view the punk culture. And his, Emilio Estevez's group of friends that he leaves, they all go around, come on, let's go do some crimes. Should we go and do some crimes? (laughs) And then what was one of the crime was, yeah, let's go and get sushi and not pay for it. (laughs) So it's a really, quite an interesting look into the ideologies of punk and you sort of get the sense that Otto from the start is, you know, he's feeling a bit distanced from the punk scene. Everything around him is sort of going rubbish. He's lost his job. His best friend's cheated on him with his girlfriend or he stole, blatantly stole his girlfriend. So he starts to look away from the anarchy and more to conforming. And throughout the film, he becomes more of a sort of regular looking guy he starts changing his punk clothes and wearing a suit as he's becoming a repo man to try and look more professional. But in the end, he's like sort of in, he's in like quite sort of handsome looking polo shirts. And at the same time, you've got Harry Dean Stanton who takes Otto under his wing. And out of all the repo men that he works with, he's the most sort of switched on and he has a plan. But as you see, as the film evolves, his own character arc devolves and he sort of he starts to become a bit distanced and sort of disappointed in his surroundings and his own character starts to fail so they start of almost sort of change hands as it goes on but then there's like some fantastic car chases throughout it there's a really disjointed love story it's got a good punk soundtrack 
some quite sort of strange imagery and even some of the characters like a lot of the repo men they all have their own views on life and he sort of his introduction to work is through these these sort of off-kilter characters and one of them is quite a far out there guy uh, he doesn't drive the cars but he's there sort of burning all the stuff he believes all these conspiracy theories and out there theories but as i say really great little film really interesting and alex cox's direction is is great and you can see why it became such a cult classic um yeah really enjoyed this okay you hear that i'm gonna choose one more we're in got one get the lid back on a second okay the next film that i own that i haven't got around to watching yet which i'm about to get around to watching is sleepy hollow tim burton film isn't it so where would i put that into the fantasy section or the horror section i doubt it'd be in horror would it Sweeney Todd is in the horror, but not Sleepy Hollow. Found it. Now, earlier Tim Burton films, I'm a real big fan, but I sort of lost a bit of interest when he got too sort of involved in Johnny Depp and remaking all these old Disney films or what have you. Uh, But... I don't know, I like his older, sort of more gothic style, so maybe Sleepy Hollow is the one for me. Tim Burton film, Sleepy Hollow, Heads Will Roll. Johnny Depp and Christina Ritchie. Johnny Depp stars as Ichabod Crane. Ichabod Crane? A man who has to confront the legend of the axe-wielding headless horseman in order to win the heart of Katrina Van Tassel. Christina Ritchie. Set in 1799, Sleepy Hollow is based on Washington Irwin's classic tale, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Faithful to the dreamy custom-bound world that Irwin paints in his story, the film mixes horror, fantasy and romance and features an extraordinary cast of characters who dabble in the supernatural. So, yeah, I'm going to have a watch of this one and then I'll get back to you with a review. I haven't watched a Tim Burton film in a while. Look forward to this. Well, having just watched Sleepy Hollow... It's the third collaboration between uh, Johnny Depp and Tim Burton. And just looking back through the filmography on Google, it's actually around this point that I stopped really watching Tim Burton films. I think I had been a big fan of his from Pee-wee's Big Adventure, through the Batman films, Beetlejuice, Mars Attacks and Edward. Edward Scissorhands to a lesser extent. But yeah, I think... This one I hadn't seen. Planet of the Apes afterwards I hadn't seen. I think really Big Fish is the only film that I've watched of his. Oh, and Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. I haven't really been interested in anything else. But this is uh, a typical Burton film to watch it. Lots of gothic imagery. I do love Tim Burton's style. And in this one, you know, you see the skeletons and they're at the beginning and they're basically Jack Pumpkinhead. So from the very start of this film, you know that you're watching a Tim Burton film. There's a, there's a great cast in it, a lot of great English actors. 
Miranda Richardson, who we know as Queenie from the Blackadder films. Richard Griffiths, who's, isn't he, the evil uncle in uh, Harry Potter? And is the, the uncle in uh, With Nail and Isle as well, isn't he? Uh, you've got Michael Gambon, Michael Goff, the Ian McDormand, the Emperor from the Star Wars films. And you've got Christopher Walken turning up as the Headless Horseman before he loses his head. So, it's a very tongue-in-cheek film. It doesn't take itself seriously. Yeah, as I said, it's fantastic gothic imagery. The misty woodland landscapes, real creepy and haunting. And it's devilishly fun executions throughout. Especially Richard Griffiths, when uh, he had his head lobbed off and it sort of spins on his shoulders. Just little touches like that throughout. But it is, as I said, it's tongue-in-cheek and it is just possibly too too tongue-in-cheek to really get swept away in i felt a little bit distanced watching this it wasn't drawing me in it was good to look at but once you're in there it felt a bit lacking for me i like a story where i care for the characters i didn't really care for any of these characters you're not supposed to it doesn't draw draw you in to the characters and, and it didn't really draw me into the mystery either johnny depp plays Ichabod Crane and he's sort of almost a Sherlock Holmes sort of uh, detective from New York who's more to do with reason than older medieval methods of policing and he's sent to investigate the murders at Sleepy Hollow where there's been a series of decapitations he's brought into this story and he's instantly presented with this horrifying ghost story that he doesn't want to believe but it's scaring him you can see he's frightened by it and he's, that's how he plays it he's bumbling and frightened and cowardly but not he has these cowardly moments but he always pulls through them uh, and he has this young lad who's the son of one of the first victims who follows him around and is helping him in the investigation and the, the young boy is older than his years and almost wiser in so many ways and obviously knows the way of the town's folk the love interest in this christina ritchie um not surprised to see her in a tim burton film but i am surprised that she didn't sort of feature in more tim burton films because she had exactly the kind of characteristics that tim burton looked for and there's one scene where she's been knocked out. She lays unconscious in a bed and she almost looks identical to the female character in A Nightmare Before Christmas. But saying that as well, I haven't seen Christina Ritchie in a lot for a long time. So the effects, it's sort of a early CGI. I think it was about 99 this film, wasn't it? Some of it looks a little bit ropey, but for the most part is quite effective one of the best bits for me was the end where the horseman's head is returned to his body and it's almost the opposite of the melting heads from raiders of the lost ark and that looked really good and but always playful the horror and the violence it's quite full-on throughout but it's always almost a playful horror it doesn't feel horrific it's not like watching a gore film it's just it's all done as I said, tongue-in-cheek, 
you're supposed to enjoy all these killings and i think that's why the blood is sort of like the hammer horror blood you know it's almost it's almost waxy almost the the opening scene is of an envelope being closed by wax and that blood that you see throughout the film i think it's the same as the wax on purpose it's giving that old time unfrightening quality but as i said because of that and because it's so tongue-in-cheek for me it lacked a little bit it was good i enjoyed it but it wasn't gripping i wasn't tied into the story i was just sort of enjoying the film with my eyes but not really caring too much about the characters and the story okay so that was my selection to walk with lions arlington road repo man and sleepy hollow so they was all quite different films possibly the one i wouldn't have raced out to watch and possibly wouldn't have watched had i not been doing this was probably to walk with lions but that being said it was an interesting story i did really enjoy it uh, in the end um it's quite a shocking story an eye-opener arlington road was good i enjoyed watching jeff bridges the cast was good it's possibly the most conventional out of all the films i watched and the twist as i said it wasn't predictable as such but i did i did twig on it but it didn't ruin my enjoyment of the film Uh, repo man a really bizarre strange quirky cult classic with some really memorable bits in it um real good sort of punk sort of attitude um and sleepy hollow classic tim burton uh just before he sort of spiraled out of control i think but i have to choose one of those films to make my film of the month and i am gonna have to go repo man i think alex cox's crazy punk sci-fi definitely comes my film of the month so yep there we go repo man thanks ever so much for listening everyone and me and nath will be back with another we need to talk about movies podcast where we'll be discussing more random films and uh, i will come back next month with next month's roundup of the films that i own i haven't watched yet volume four that will be thanks ever so much for watching take care i'll see you all soon cheers